ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome. It is the Tuesday, June 26th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I am your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Back in the studio today. We've got a fun show because, first of all, we're going to have later on the program David Kahn, West Virginia Power. We're going to get caught up with him. I'm looking forward to that. And we will take your phone calls. As time permits, at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. i got a couple things to get into today. I've got a great ranking of Conference USA college football coaches from the bottom to the lane train. Okay, I gave away number one, but I'll tell you where Doc Holliday and everyone else rank later on. So we'll get into that. Couple things I do want to catch up on. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get into it yesterday, but first of all, I thought this was great news that Marshall University President Jerome Gilbert he has been selected to be a part of the NCAA Division One Presidential Forum. He's going to be representing Conference USA. So, in September first, he will begin. And his term will end on August 31st, 2022. That's great for Marshall. You've got a forum that has one president or chancellor from each of the 32 Division I conferences. He's going to represent Conference USA. This was a group that was put together in 2015 to facilitate presidential leadership of athletics at the campuses, conferences, and, of course, national levels. The members serve as the primary presidential advisory body of the NCAA Division I Board of Directors. So he's going to be in an important position, not only representing Conference USA, not only representing Marshall, but being a part of a mechanism that could shape policy. So that's great news for him. It adds some prestige to Marshall University. How does it not? And you've got Mike Hamrick in a high position now. You have Jerome Gilbert in a high position now. I think that speaks volumes of what people think of Marshall University as a university, as a member of Conference USA, and, of course, the leadership. So congratulations to both of those gentlemen. It it speaks volumes to what they're doing and how they're going about their business. He's excited. Here's what he said in the release. He said, I am honored to represent Conference USA on the NCAA's presidential forum and look forward to working with this group of dedicated institutional leaders as this important time for intercollegiate athletics in our nation. He also added, we believe in the value of competing in Division I sports and what it brings our student-athletes and the whole Marshall family. We have proven at Marshall that our student-athletes can be successful academically as well on the playing field. While on the form, I will work to ensure the best interests of the institutions in Conference USA are represented particularly the interest of our student-athletes. So that's a big deal. That's really something to be proud of. And honestly, you've got him, you've got Mike Hamrick now, and I believe that Marshall's interest, and for the most part, what's good for Marshall is going to be good for Conference USA. What's good for Conference USA is going to be good for Marshall. It's a big deal there. Now, this was breaking news after we went off the air yesterday. We got the release today. 
But Greenbrier and FanDuel, they have got themselves a partnership now. They have finalized their agreement. FanDuel is going to provide retail, online, and mobile sports wagering services at the Greenbrier. FanDuel, of course, already deals with a lot of this metrics. You know FanDuel from their fantasy football and fantasy sports offerings. Here's an organization. They've got the infrastructure ready to go. They can handle probably everything that you need. And they've also got the technology part of this. That's the thing. Not only is this going to be an infrastructure issue, a statistics issue, making sure the line is good, making sure that everything is on the up and up, but also the technology issue. That's the big one right there. So they plan, the Greenbrier, they plan to have an on-site wagering platform, according to the release, inside the casino club at the Greenbrier, as well as a FanDuel-branded online site and mobile application. So they hope to have this up and running by fall. That's the goal. They don't have the exact date yet. Um, West Virginia regulators are putting that together right now. So this can't launch this right now. But they're going to offer these services to guests who are interested. That's going to be a plus for them. And think of the implications as well because now – You've got sports books that are legal, going digital. I could sit here right now on my phone. I'm going to drop a bet. Why not? And you could do it as well. And so that's going to be a, I think, a, I'm not sure this is going to be the ultimate end-all, be-all as far as the revenues coming in because everybody's going to have it, but it's newfound money. This isn't a gold mine in which you're the only person digging the gold. Everyone's going to have a piece of this, but that's just more money coming in. And just like the lottery, the lottery brings new revenue in. I'm not necessarily going to be driving to Ohio or Kentucky or other states to play games, lottery, gambling. But at the same time, you have now a system in place for a lot of people They can do this mobily. They can do this at the casinos. They can do this, and that's new money coming into the state, and it's new revenue that wasn't there before. Plain and simple, new revenue. And how much of that kickback is going to come to leagues? How much of that kickback to Marshall and West Virginia? Remember the governor had that announcement that there was going to be a fee and universities were going to benefit? I don't know if that's still going to be a thing. I'm sure something will come out that maybe benefits those schools. Here, we're going to put some of this money back towards you as far as compliance. I mean, after all, again, I go back to Mike Hamrick a few weeks ago talking about compliance because he has to get his ducks in a row. Not in the sense that there's something, it's this is coming. I've got to make sure everything's in place on my end because. We've got to make sure that there are no compliance issues, no impropriety, nothing. And I don't think that's going to be a major issue, but at the same time, you have to be diligent. So that's where that is at. All right, we're going to get our first break in. We're going to come back. 
I've got David Kahn, West Virginia Power. We're going to get caught up with him later on. We're going to go down the rankings, at least one publication's rankings of all the Conference USA football coaches from the very bottom to the lane dream. Everybody in between. We'll talk about that when we continue. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't forget, you can always catch the program if you miss it live on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn. Wherever you get your podcasts is basically where you can find us. Don't forget, you can also go to our website at wrvc.com. Joining us on the program now, he's the voice of the West Virginia Power, David Kahn. He's going to get us set for all the power action taking place in Charleston tonight. Wait, it's raining, David. We, We don't have baseball tonight. Nope, no baseball tonight. Very sad, uh, very sad way to start the conversation this week, Paul. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not going to happen tonight. So, um, since we don't have a game tonight, what, what, what do you want to talk about? Anything? Uh, I'm going to go try out the mini golf course on Capitol Street. We could talk about that. Okay, that sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little disappointed because you had uh, you had some fun things happening tonight that aren't happening now. Uh, First of all, uh, the game has uh, been canceled, not going to be made up. Uh, there's going to be a Correct. three-game series tomorrow against the Hickory Crawl Dads. Uh, that begins starting at 7.05, so weather permitting, we will have baseball again. But uh, there are some other things that were going on. Uh, tonight's Wall of Fame induction ceremony for uh, Paul Knighton been rescheduled for Thursday, July 5th. If you want to start there, uh, tell us about that as far as what was going to happen and uh, what still will happen. Yeah, absolutely. So for those listeners who don't know about the Wall of Fame, since 2007, we've helped induct various people that have left an impact on the Charleston community through their contributions, their coverage of Charleston baseball, what have you. And really, it's gone from former players in the major leagues, members of the media, some of the greatest namesakes you can think of in Charleston history. Over the years, we've inducted 26 different individuals and groups into the Michael C. Paterno Wall of Fame, which is currently on the concourse behind home plate. Paul Knighton is our 27th member that we're going to induct into the Wall of Fame, and he is the only representative of the 2018 Wall of Fame class. Now, for those who don't know, Paul uh, left us back in March, so we thought it would we we thought it would be uh, fitting to posthumously honor him uh, for his great contributions uh, when he was a longtime investigative reporter at the Charleston Gazette before they became the Charleston Gazette Mail. He was also a season ticket holder at both Wyatt Powell Park and Appalachian Power Park. He rooted on the Wheelers, the Alley Cats, the West Virginia Power. Uh, he brought his family to the ballpark. He hosted plenty of celebrations for the players. I mean, he was, without a doubt, a true Charleston baseball fan through and through. He covered the team as well. And, you know, we couldn't think of a, a more fitting way to honor his memory than inducting him into the Wall of Fame. Who are some of the other names that are on that wall to give maybe a, a sense of uh, some of the people that you've honored in the past, if, if you know off the top of your head? That's a big list. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, you know, it ranges in, you know, various entities. You've, of course, got the Toastman, who was in the inaugural class in 2007. Uh, you've got Trevor Hoffman as well, one of the premier major leaguers to come through Charleston. He was a wheeler. Uh, you've got guys like Lenny Terry, who was a longtime broadcaster with the in, in Charleston. You also had... Uh, Tony LaRussa, Tommy John, uh, you know, guys like Omar Moreno, Wyatt Powell, the 1990 Charleston Wheelers, who were the only championship team in Charleston baseball history. 
So it really ranges from, you know, many different kinds of groups, people, places. It really just kind of depends on, on you know, who we decide to, to etch into memory that year. David Collins, our guest from the West Virginia Power. The game tonight has been rained out, but action beginning tomorrow. So uh, let's get into that. Let's uh, look ahead to what we've got. But first, before we do that, um, where are we at as far as how far this team has come in the start of the second half? You know, the team is playing really well. Uh, obviously, small sample size. They've only played five games. The team won the first four. They pretty much took it to Hickory in the first three games. The team came out raring to go, really hot, really ready to, to kind of ramp it up and, and say, let's go. Second half is our time. Um, they swept Hickory pretty handily. A couple of games, they, Hickory had a couple of late rallies, but the bullpen slammed the door on them. Lakewood was a different story because Lakewood's a really, really good team. We had a great start from Cody Bolton in game one, and the offense had a three-run sixth inning that really was the, you know, the key to getting us that winning game one. Game two, we ran into the sledgehammer that is Ramon Rosso. He shut us down for six innings, and you know we just couldn't muster anything. Lakewood only got one run, though, so sometimes you just kind of tip your cap and say, all right, pitcher's duel, one nothing loss, you move on. But this team is very confident in itself. It feels very comfortable with itself. We have a lot of the right pieces in place, and we certainly feel like we are a contender for the second-half championship. David Collins, our guest, West Virginia Power, Power in Action tomorrow. Hickory, um, we talk about them. What's changed about them for the second half, if anything? Have you noticed, again, as you mentioned, small sample size, but uh, where are they at now to where they were at the start of the season? Because it didn't go well for them in the first half. No, it didn't. And, you know, honestly, I'm not sure a whole lot has changed for them. I mean, they've had a couple of moves, but they lost one of their best relievers, Alex Spees, to Tommy John surgery. So he's out until pretty much the middle of 2019 at this point. So that's a little tough for them. And, you know, you, you kind of look at it, and the Rangers have an interesting farm system, but they aren't as good as they used to be. And, you know, most of the high-level talent in Hickory has gone up to down east and levels above. So I don't know necessarily if Hickory is going to be a contender in the second half. Uh, I mean, they have some good pieces. It's just, I'm not sure if they have a complete enough team to really hang with some of the other teams in the league. They're not very good at hitting. They're not very good in many categories. Um, what's the challenge the teams sometimes play down or play up to the level of their competition? Uh, what's West Virginia got to do to, to really stay focused in – take on a team like this then i mean you just you just focus on yourself uh yes obviously you know you, we just play, know what hickory is about we know we were able to sweep hickory in three games but we almost gave a couple of those games back so the team really has to focus on the fact that look you know we know that we can beat hickory we have to beat hickory and beat them like show them that they have no shot that that's going to be really the thing that this team is focused on is, is playing complete games. Because the first game we played in the second half was complete 8-1 to one drubbing. The second game we were up 6-1 to one and it ended up being 6-4. to four. The third game we were up 7-2 and ended up being 8-6. to six. So you got to close out games like that without giving up four or five runs. So that's going to be the thing that West Virginia is going to focus on in this next series against Hickory is saying, all right, you know, we know we can jump on them early. We know we have the offense to do it. we got to do that, and then we got to hold on, and we and we got to, you know, 
don't give them any type of momentum to make them think they can come back. That that's really what the team is focusing on. But like like I said, you know, look at what you can do, not what the other team is capable of. If you if West Virginia plays their game, there's not a lot of teams that can hang with them over the course of the season. There's an opportunity with an opponent like this if West Virginia just gets a a huge lead. Maybe we're going to see a little bit more of that power depth, people who um, maybe haven't got the opportunity to come back out and, and show a little bit of what they can do. Has uh, that happened yet any, uh, in these games with them? Uh, you know, I don't really think so. We have a kind of a, a set you know, area of, of when guys are going to throw. Guys are pretty much on a schedule in terms of pitchers. And in terms of hitters, we're a little bit shorthanded right now. We've only got 11 offensive players on our roster right now. I mean, we had, for the second game of our doubleheader yesterday, Jesse Madrano was the catcher. Jesse Madrano hasn't caught an actual game since high school. Um, but, you know, Dion is not going to catch 14 innings of a, of a doubleheader. So Jesse was the guy with experience, so he got the nod and he did a nice job. But we're, we only have 23 active guys on our roster. 12 of them are pitchers right now. So we're a little bit shorthanded. Uh, so everyone's contributing at all times. I mean, there's, there's no really, like, guy that is not playing. Uh, you know, every, everyone is contributing, everyone is playing, and everyone's doing their part. David Collins, our guest from the West Virginia Power. So once we get past this rain, what's coming up this week at the ballpark for the rest of the homestand that folks maybe will be excited about? Uh, I know we missed uh, two for Tuesday today just because of the weather, but uh, Thursday's coming. There's Thirsty Thursday. What we got for Friday and Wednesday, though? Yeah, so tomorrow, Pets in the Park night, uh, $3 pet passes, all of the proceeds going to various animal-related organizations. You've also got Thirsty Thursday, as you mentioned, going to be $1 12-ounce beverages, $2 16-ounce cans. And then on Friday is a post-game fireworks show. Our friends at MVP Bank putting that on for us, and uh, that's going to be a fantastic way to wrap up the homestand. Hopefully the weather's going to hold and you can get some miniature golf in as well. <laughs> well, that's, that's my own personal uh, benefit of a rain out. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I find I'm actually a pretty avid mini golfer, Paul, so I, uh, I try and get in as much mini golf as I can. You're not one of those. You get your own miniature golf club, right? You don't have that? I'm not going to publicly answer that. I think you just <laughs> did. I no. think you just answered that question without answering it. No, I I don't I don't have my own putter. I mean, I have my own set of clubs, but that those are like actual golf clubs. I I don't bring my own putter to mini golf courses. I've known people who've done that. I'm I'm just saying. I've yeah, I know. I I, I have I'm, done it in the past, but it's not my putter. I don't have a personal putter. How's your game? I mean, maybe you need one. I don't know. These are questions that need my, answered. Look, my game my game's just fine with the with the regular putters. I don't I don't need to, I don't need to invest the money in a personal putter. I I'll put it this way, Paul. I there the hardest course in the United States is at Disney World in Orlando, Florida, where I'm from. I've played that course probably 50 times plus. Mm-hmm. I shoot consistently under par on that course. I think what you're saying is you all comers come on, you will take them on. I think that's what I just heard you say. I I did. I mean, was that not clear? West Virginia Power Invitational <laughs> is it happening? I, bring it on, Paul. On the field, we turn we turn Appalachian Power Park into. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You got to clear that with our groundskeeper first. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure that's gonna. Maybe on the concourse. Let's, let's do it on the concourse. Look, you've had other events on that grass. I think we can do this. Concourse is I, fine. I'll I'll take that challenge. Look, 
let's let's go concourse. I, I'd much rather keep Paul, our groundskeeper, on my good side. Let's go that, and uh, and we'll go from there. You know, just giving you another great promotion there, miniature golf and the concourse. So that that's going to happen. You know, I always appreciate you giving me promotions to to work with, but let's keep let's keep me on the good side of our groundskeeper, Paul. Okay. Fair enough. I understand those those guys make or break uh, a baseball season. So fair. They they they, they Paul does his, Paul does a fantastic job with our field, and then uh, you know we all respect the heck out of what he's able to do. So I, I try and uh, I try and stay on his good side as much as possible. David Conn's our guest. Uh, looking ahead, we've got July Fourth coming up. Uh, fireworks at the ballpark. That's always a, a fun time downtown. If it's on the third or the fourth, or if it's close to Fourth of July, it's still a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're really looking forward to that one. Uh, Highmark West Virginia is going to put on that fireworks show for us this year. Of course, the rivalry in full effect. The Lexington Legends going to be here on July fourth, so that'll add a little bit of extra anticipation to the July fourth game. And uh, you know, it should be a fun time. He's David Kahn, master miniature golfer and uh, <laughs> the voice of the West Virginia Power. Uh, okay, we're going to do the tour. We'll have to come up with a um, with a tour schedule of all the miniature golf courses in West Virginia that we can hit. I th- okay. I think that needs to happen. Um, okay. I don't know when Let's you're going to have a day off, though. You're working every day this summer, just about. Yeah, I don't I don't really have a day off, but let's 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 make it happen anyway. I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. Okay, this could be a fall classic. I'm good with that. All right, sounds good. All right, challenge is on. David Cohen, our guest, West Virginia Power. Um, Anything else uh, you want to hit on before we uh, say goodbye for this week? I'm good, Paul. I'll talk to you again next week. All right, good deal. That is David Cohen. He is the voice of the West Virginia Power. No power baseball tonight, but uh, they are back in action tomorrow. So how do Conference USA football coaches rank according to Athlon? I'll tell you when we come back. I'll give you a hint. The lane train is number one. I'll tell you where everybody else falls when we continue with today's edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. So where do the Conference USA coaches rank as far as top to bottom? Well, Athlon has gone through the exercise of trying to figure out who's the best and who's not. And really, it's not an indictment of any coach. It's, okay, this is the worst coach. It's, here's the top guy, and then here's where the hierarchy follows. And really, Athlon, I'm going to nutshell this for you here, the too-long-didn't-read portion of this. They have taken a lot of things into account as far as where you're at, the program. Uh, Your history does uh, mean something. Your biography, your wins, all that's important. But they're taking their rankings to a different place. If you start a program from scratch, which coach would you hire knowing what they've accomplished so far and their career trajectory? We're talking the coach, not the assistant, so not the staff. None of that is factored into this, just the coach. And so Athlon has ranked them 14-1. to 1. You all knew that the lane train was one. I'm not spoiling anything here. But where does everybody else fall? I'm going to start with 14, and we're going to start with Brad Lambert from Charlotte. Now, he's their first football coach. 
And he's the guy who's been trying to transition them, get them into FBS, and he has. He's taken that team and transitioned them into an FBS-level team over the last five years. But Athlon points out his record. He's 17-41. and 41. He's yet to record a winning record. He did have a 4-8 mark in 2016. They slipped to 1-11 last year. Uh, they lost to FCS opponent North Carolina A&T. That's not good for Conference USA. That's not good for your Division I program. So Athlon takes into account that building a program from scratch is not easy. But they do point out as well that they've got a new athletic director now at Charlotte, and he's going to have to show some progress to be there in 2019. So this is going to be a a crutch uh, for him in one regard because he can lean on the fact that he's building a program, but I think that crutch is going to be taken away soon. He's going to have to show that this program can stand on its own. All right, UTEP comes in at number 13. Dana Dimmel comes in 13th as far as Athlon is concerned. And again, they're putting these rankings out to talk about which coach would we like to start from scratch with? Look into what they've done in the past, their trajectory. Where would we like to go as far as the coach is going to build our program? And UTEP hires uh, Demel. He's experienced. Athlon points that out. Um, he had a playing career at Kansas State, which ended in 86. He worked with the program as graduate assistant until 88. Then he was promoted to assistant coach with the Wildcats in 89, and he became the offensive coordinator in 95. He was hired at Wyoming. He replaced Joe Tiller in 97. He went 22-13, and 13, three years there with the Cowboys. Then he takes over Houston in 2000, but you amass an 8-26 and 26 record over three seasons, you're not going to last long. Then... Um, he was a uh, graduate assistant at uh, Kansas State in 2005, three years at Arizona from 2006 to 2008. Then he returned to Kansas State as the program's offensive coordinator. He's a guy. He's got some experience. He's been in football for a while. But can he get UTEP going? This is a team that averaged 11.8 points in a game in 2017. 11.8 points a game. 2017, their their offense. So he's got a lot of work to do. But right now, he is the 13th option. If you're taking a coach from Conference USA, where are we ranking him? Now, Rice has got a tough situation as well. And Athlon acknowledges that in their rankings. Mike Bloomgren is their new coach. And he's going to be trying to bring a team back that went 1-11 last year. And Rice is tough as well because they take the student portion of student-athlete very seriously. They've got tough academic standards, and so they should. You get an education from Rice, you're saying something. And so he's got experience. Bloomberg comes in, he's got experience with that. Uh, He worked at Stanford. You get an education from Stanford, you got something to be proud of. And he was their offensive coordinator. He also worked as an assistant with the Jets from 2007 to 10. Uh, he's never been a head coach before. So he's got to do the I'm new as a head coach stick, and he's got to rebuild a program at the same time. That's going to be interesting. I don't look for Rice to uh, move up the charts in the next couple of years. 
So we get to number 11, and we find, according to Athlon, Mike Sanford from Western Kentucky. And here's a guy who was an assistant at Western Kentucky, Stanford, Boise State, also Notre Dame, and he's worked with some coaching names like Brian Kelly, uh, Willie Taggart, David Shaw, um, just to name a couple. He was considered one of college football's top coaches on the rise prior to 2017. Uh, He's from Virginia. He inherited a team coming off back-to-back Conference USA championships. So a lot of people had a high standard for Western Kentucky. Not the case. Instead, the high standard kind of fell off a little bit. Offensive line play, according to offense, I mean, according to Athlon, not there. Inconsistent. The rushing game, not there. So his debut ends with a six and seven record. They've got a lot of talent, so this could be a program that's back on the rise. There's a lot of young talent coming in. Now, at number 10, and I don't know, I might have moved him up a little bit, but as it stands right now, Frank Wilson at UTSA, I might have moved him up a little bit because here's a guy that Athlon acknowledges this. He's a good recruiter. He's really regarded as one of the best recruiters. And he takes over UTSA. He spent time at Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Tennessee, LSU, and he was also a pretty successful high school coach in New Orleans. So this is a guy that has some connections. He knows what he's doing. He knows uh, where to find the players. He, He can make some phone calls. And I think what he did with his season, they finished six and seven, and they got their first bowl bid in his first year and finished six and five last season. So 2016, they go six and seven, six and five last fall. They are 12 and 12 under two seasons now. And I think that in itself is an accomplishment for this program. I think they're going to be better. So I look for Frank Wilson's stock to move up. UTSA, I consider one of the up-and-coming programs here in Conference USA. So we go to number nine on this list. And so far, Doc Holliday's name has not come up, so that's good. It means he might rank a little higher. But Jay Hobson is considered number nine in Southern Miss at his school. He's a guy who has a lot of ties to Mississippi. Um, Athlon said that he seemed like the perfect fit to take over the program in 2016. Uh, they think he's doing a good job. Southern Miss is 15 and 11. They've had two bowl appearances. They finished four and four in Conference USA in 2016. They improved to six and two in league action last year. Prior to Southern Miss, Hobson went 32 and 17 at Alcorn State. He was a head coach there from 2012 to 15. Of course, you know him because he's been assistant at several places we know and love, like uh, Marshall. It's also been at Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Michigan, and Memphis. I never sleep on Southern Miss. That's a program that I always look for good things to happen. So at number nine, Southern Miss's head coach is Jay Hobson. Now at number eight, Old Dominion's coach, Bobby Wilder. He is... um, He's a guy that I think Old Dominion can lean on for several years. 
because Old Dominion didn't have football for 60 years. Then they come back in 2009, and here's a guy who's already built a program from scratch. He had to do it with Old Dominion. This is a team that's competitive, I think. Uh, they went 9-2 in 2009. They finished 8-3 the following year. They are a team that, under Wilder, has seen back-to-back FCS playoff bids. And then um, they used the 2013 campaign to reclassify, and they got to the FBS level. They went 6-6 six and six in their FBS debut. They finished 10-3 and three to earn the program's first bowl trip in 2016. Right now, the uh, Monarchs are 72 and 37 under his direction. That's good coaching right there. Number seven is Rick Stockstill from Middle Tennessee. That's where Athlon ranks him. And why do they rank him number seven? Well, he enters the season sixth among longest tenured coaches at the FBS level. He's got experience, he's a former Florida State quarterback. He is 79 and 72 since taking over at MTSU in 2006, and this team has been to seven bowl games. So Middle Tennessee's seen seven bowls. They haven't had a losing record since 2011, and they finished at least 500 or better in Conference USA play in each of the last five seasons. They won. Um, they won a lot of games, but now. This is a team that I think a lot of people are looking at could be a contender soon for the East Division title. That's probably the only thing that needs to happen now for Middle Tennessee. They are definitely a contender. But Stock still has experience. Um, He's been an assistant at South Carolina, East Carolina, and Clemson. So he's been at some major college football programs. Number six on the list is uh, from North Texas, Seth Littoral. And... The Mean Green finished 1-11 in 2015. And then they all of a sudden moved up to 5-8 and eight in 2016. Um, they got a bid to the heart of Dallas Bowl. They lost to the Army in overtime. Um, they finished 9-5 and five overall and 7-1 in Conference USA play, uh, winning the West Division, and they got to go to the New Orleans Bowl. So there's some progress there at North Texas. Now, we get to 5, 4, 3, 2, and the lane train when we come back from break. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Live with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Where does Conference USA coaches rank? Well, Athlon has taken on the challenge, and uh, we've got the results here. And we've gone through the majority of the coaches. Now we go to the top five. And again, the criteria here, and I'm going to too long didn't read it for you, is um, who you're going to get. You're going to start. You're going to take everything into account. But who's going to be your guy to start a, a new program from scratch here? Maybe that's one of the big criteria. It's not the only one. But if you're looking for a guy. I know one at number five. His name's Doc Holliday. So Athlon's got him as number five in the league right now. And they point out that he had a nice bounce back. They had the lowest win total in his tenure. And then Marshall was able to bounce back. Yeah, we remember that three-win season. Trust me. Uh, you guys do the call-in show uh, after a loss. You, you tell me how fun it is. It's not. It's going to be up front with you right now. 
It's not pleasant sometimes when you're talking about a three-win team. Well, Marshall fixed that for me. They rebounded eight and five. They were four and four in league play. The eight wins, of course, get them a bowl berth. I mean, a bowl berth. Then they win. So all of a sudden, guess what? Things are improving. So now he is sixty-one and forty-two. Marshall has three seasons of at least ten victories under Doc Holliday, including a thirteen-one mark in two thousand fourteen. And Athlon points out that he's a ace recruiter. That's what he was known for prior to his job with the Thundering Herd. And points out his time spent at West Virginia, NC State, and Florida as an assistant. I think here's uh, the biggest compliment that Athlon can give Doc Holliday. With Holliday at the helm, Marshall is a threat every year to win Conference USA's East Division. That's a big compliment. And that's a sign that Doc Holliday is going to have the Thundering Herd in a place to challenge every year. And that's where you want to be. You want to be the top kid. You always want to be the top kid. But as it stands right now, if you're going to take a run at the championship every year, Doc Holliday is always uh, going to be a good guy to have driving the bus. Butch Davis comes in at four. Here's a guy who... Led FIU. FIU now. This is not a team that has a a previously established dynasty or anything. This is FIU, and they finished eight and five overall. They were five and three in league play. They got their third bowl berth in program history. So eight win season. That's a four game improvement from the previous year. Of course. Butch Davis, he knows how to win. He knows how to win in South Florida. Remember, from 95 to 2000, Miami had a 51-20 and 20 record, including an 11-1 mark in 2000. He leaves Miami, takes a shot at the NFL, and went 24-35 and 35 there. He got one playoff from 2001 to 2004. And trust me, 24-35 and 35 is good coaching if you're the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That's good coaching. 24, the Browns would love to have a 24 and 35 mark right now because they're terrible. Now, he comes in at four. I'm going to speed through these here because we're running out of time. You know, number one, it's Lane Kiffin. You know, number one. However, we've got a couple other programs uh, to talk about first and foremost. And coming in, on the three spot is Skip Holtz at Louisiana Tech. I mean, here's a guy who has a nine-win season streak that got snapped. But this is a guy who has won and won often at L.A. Tech, La Tech. Uh, they won the West Division in 2018. They finished 7-6 to six last year, but they did get a victory over SMU, a bowl victory to finish out the season. Uh, they're 4-0 in bowl trips. They've got two West Division titles, uh, 38-28 overall under uh, Holtz's direction. And then Bill Clark comes in at number two at UAB. I'm on board with that pick because, again, you have a football program and then you don't have a football program, and then you have to go and build a football program again. And then they come in after being poorly funded and poorly taken care of 
And then you see some progress, and then it just gets taken away from you. And then you have to go and do it again. Rebuild this program that we shut down on you. Go. Not only are we starting from scratch again, we have handicapped you because you had a football program and we took it away. So you lost any momentum. Guess what? Eight and five. Program's highest win total, and they got to go to the Bahamas Bowl. This is a uh, program that has a good coach in Bill Clark. And, of course, the Lane Train. You know what the Lane Train did? They just won the Conference USA East Division title, and then the Lane Train in its first year, uh, they went to win the Conference USA Championship. You know Lane's story. I don't need to go over that with you, do I? That's going to do it for this edition. Don't forget, you can always catch us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn. You can listen to us on the website, wrvc.com. For our producer, Gabriel Sellers, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for listening. This has been The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. Until then, good night, everyone. Station.